from the icy north, dragon-headed longboats would glide towards the English shores, and inside them were Viking warriors, bent on plunder and conquest. Ragnar Lothbrok, a legendary Viking king, had a catalogue of successful Viking invasions over an enormous geographical area for the age. His seaborne expeditions had taken him as far north as Finland and some areas in Russia. Legends record he ventured to Paris, raided in the Hellespont and beyond. These raids had made Ragnar perhaps one of the most famous Vikings in history. Countless stories exist in the sagas of Ragnar's exploits, avenging his grandfather, slaying kings and mythological creatures, to personally duelling warrior champions alongside his many sons. These are just some of the tales surrounding this legendary figure. Although Ragnar was a larger-than-life man and warrior king, he met his fate as many fighters do. Ragnar would underestimate King Ella of Northumbria. He attacked the English king, but his Viking fleet was captured, and he was executed by being thrown into a snake pit, where he was eaten alive. His end was described in the Gesta Denorum. Thus, a most glorious conqueror died a prisoner, a lesson that no man should put too much trust in fortune. This one action would have a long-lasting consequence on the lands of Britain, as for centuries, the death of a king would have a domino effect on the kings of a divided land of England. Ragnar's sons were coming to avenge him. Vidar, the Norse god of vengeance, had demanded revenge, and the sons of Ragnar had heard him. The Ragnarsons were all capable men, who had fought alongside their father, and would gather all of their soldiers and bring them together. They would bring a force to England that had not been seen since the time of the Romans over 800 years before. The great heathen army would change England forever, and 400 longships would glide across the North Sea, with their destination being the Kingdom of Northumbria. This is a tale of honour, revenge and the thirst for blood. This is the story of the great heathen army. The year is 865, and Bjorn Ironside, a Viking warlord and the son of Ragnar, was sailing towards England alongside his brothers, Abba, Sigurd Snake in the Eye, and Halfdan. According to the Gesta Denorum, Ivar the Boneless was already in England during this time, and he asked for a strip of land from King Ella in order to broker a peace. Ivar, being known for his cleverness, was no doubt playing a trick on the King of Northumbria. Ivar would begin constructing a fort and a base where he would gather his men. As soon as his brother's ships landed on the English coast, he sent word, and the combined armies of Norsemen would literally become a great army. They were estimated to be over 4,000 strong. They were a huge threat to the English lands during this time, as during the 9th century, England was fractured and divided. After the conquest of the Anglo-Saxons in the 5th century, from the ash, four major kingdoms had emerged. There was Northumbria, Mercia, East Anglia and Wessex. In the autumn of the year 865, the Viking fleet crossed the North Sea and landed in East Anglia, where they remained over the winter 
and secured horses. They then made their way north to Northumbria, motivated by vengeance and the lust for glory. Traditional sources claim that Ivar devised a strategy. The great heathen army was to sack the city of York to provoke King Ella into engaging the Vikings. Under Ivar's plan, the Vikings feigned retreat, which caused King Ella and the Northumbrians to give chase. This allowed the army of King Ella to be encircled, which led to a mass slaughter. King Ella himself was captured, and according to the tale of Ragnar and his sons, he was ritualistically executed with the Blood Eagle. It states, Ivar and his brothers recalled how their father was tortured. They now had an eagle cut into Ella's back. Then all his ribs were severed from the backbone with a sword, in such a way that his lungs were pulled out. Another source also asserts this. In the Gestad Norum, it states, When they captured him, they ordered the figure of an eagle to be cut into his back, rejoicing to crush their most ruthless foe by marking him with the cruelest of birds. Not satisfied with impressing a wound on him, they salted the mangled flesh. With their revenge now complete, the sons of Ragnar would bide their time in Northumbria. The other kings of England would tremble, hearing of how the great land of Northumbria had fallen to the Vikings. Soon after the death of King Ella, Bjorn and Sigurd would go back to their own kingdoms, with their task of revenge now being complete. However, Ivar Hafden and Ubba would remain in England with a large portion of the great army. They wouldn't know it, but this would be the last time some of the sons of Ragnar would see each other, as they would go on to carve out their own dynasties by the sword. The lands of Northumbria had fallen to the Vikings, this was the first time an entire Anglo-Saxon kingdom had fallen to the Norsemen. In order to ensure there were no uprisings, the sons of Ragnar chose to install a puppet king called Egbert. Simeon of Durham, an English chronicler, recorded that the pagans appointed Egbert king under their own dominion. The Vikings would use Egbert as a glorified tax collector in order to fund their further conquests of the rest of the English kingdoms. By the year 867, the great army moved south and invaded the Kingdom of Mercia, capturing the town of Nottingham, where they spent the winter. The Mercian king Buchred responded by allying with the West Saxon king Ethelred of Wessex. The combined force of the Mercians and the men of Wessex would then besiege the town. The Anglo-Saxons were unable to recapture the city, but a truce was agreed whereby the Danes would redraw to York. The army remained there for over a year, gathering their strength. The Norsemen would return to East Anglia in the year 869, this time intent on conquest. They had already taken Northumbria, and they were bent on bringing the Anglo-Saxon kings to heel, and taking the whole land for themselves. According to Aboa Fleury's Life of St Edmund, this is what transpired. Ivar suddenly invaded the country just like a wolf and slew the people, men, women and innocent children. Soon afterwards, he sent to King Edmund of East Anglia a threatening message that he should submit to his allegiance 
if he cared for his life. Ivar's messenger came to King Edmund and boldly announced his message. Ivar, our king, bold and victorious on sea and on land, commands that you share your hidden gold hoards and give your ancestral possessions to him and that you shall become his vassal king if you want to stay alive. Since you don't have the forces that can resist him, Edmund responded, Never in this life will Edmund submit to Ivar the heathen war leader, unless he first submits himself to the saviour Christ. The great heathen army then under the command of Ivar, decimated Edmund's forces in an unnamed battle near Thetford. Edmund would allegedly survive the battle and returned to his hall to await the coming of Lord Ivar. According to Abba of Fleury, this is what happened between Ivar and King Edmund. King Edmund, against whom Ivar advanced, stood inside his hall, the impious one, then bound Edmund and had him beaten with rods. He was afterwards whipped. In between the whip lashes, Edmund called out with true belief in the Saviour Christ. Because of his belief, because he called to Christ to aid him, the heathens became furiously angry. They then threw spears at him, as if it were a game, until he was entirely covered, resembling the bristles of a hedgehog. When Ivar saw the noble king would not forsake Christ, but with resolute faith called after him, he ordered Edmund beheaded, and the heathens did so. While Edmund still called out to Christ, the heathen dragged the holy man to his death, and with one stroke, struck off his head. The king of East Anglia had just been ceremonially killed, now known to history as Saint Edmund the Martyr. His story became legend, as he refused to become a puppet king for Ivar, and didn't denounce his god in face of certain death. The execution of King Ella of Northumbria had also become legend. The brutality of the leaders of the great heathen army were making the remaining kings of the land tremble. The great army now had dominion of two great kingdoms of England, and they again would look west, towards the kingdoms of Wessex and Mercia. Following the conquest of East Anglia, Ivar would leave the great heathen army and went north to conquer lands in Scotland and Ireland. Ivar disappears from English records after the year 870 and reappears in Irish sources as Imar the Sea King, who would found the most powerful Viking dynasty in Britain for a time. With Ivar in Ireland, his brother Halfdan would become the main commander of the army and in the year 870 led it in an invasion of Wessex. With Ivar gone, the only remaining sons of Ragnar commanding the great heathen army were Abba and Halfdan. The Kingdom of Wessex would prove to be a lot more difficult to take than the other kingdoms, as they had a warrior king named Ethelred, who would fight the great heathen army head-on with his warrior prince brother Alfred. According to the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle, the great heathen army battled with the West Saxons nine times, and some of these battles have been recorded. The Vikings would march from East Anglia to Reading, 
arriving on the 28th of December of the year 870. Three days later, they sent out a large party under the command of two Viking earls. It was at Englefield that an army of Saxons under the command of Ethelwulf, the elderman of Berkshire, that met the Vikings in battle. The Saxon and Viking army clashed, but after one of the earls was killed, the Viking force would break and flee. Emboldened by their victory, the Saxons would try to give chase and slaughter the remaining Viking forces. King Ethelred of Wessex would bring the main bulk of the Saxon army and would join forces with the men of Berkshire. Just four days after the Battle of Englefield, the Saxons would march to Reading and would fight their way through the town, massacring all the Vikings outside. The Battle of Reading would commence when Halfdan ordered his army to burst out of the gates of the town just at the right moment, creating a successful counter-attack. The great heathen army would slay the Saxon forces and would give chase, aiming to end the royal line of Wessex. Among the dead was Ethelwulf, the elderman of Berkshire. King Ethelred and Prince Alfred would run for their lives after much devastation only managing to escape due to their better knowledge of the local terrain, which allowed them to lose their pursuers by crossing the river Ludden. Again, just four days later, on the 8th of January, the armies fought again at Ashdown. It was truly a battle of wills, for the West Saxons under Ethelred simply refused to back down, and they would fight back-to-back -back battles in order to repel the Viking invaders. The Vikings would first arrive at the battleground, and they deployed along the top of the ridge, giving themselves an advantage. They then divided their forces in two, one under King Halfdan, and another under the Viking Earls. When the Saxons heard of this from their scouts, they decided to copy the Viking formation, with King Ethelred of Wessex facing their King Halfdan, and Prince Alfred's contingent would face the Earls. Prince Alfred would lead the men of Wessex into battle first, while King Ethelred retired to his tent to pray. Both sides would form a shield wall, but it was Alfred who decided to lead the charge up the hill. Battle would then rage on. God was with the Saxons that day. Against the odds, the Vikings were pushed back, and rivers of blood would flow down the hill of the battlefield. The Vikings suffered heavy losses with the death of five earls. The Saxons pursued the Vikings until nightfall, with their aim being to leave none alive. Two weeks later, on the 22nd of January in the year 871, King Ethelred and his brother Prince Alfred were defeated at the Battle of Basing, causing the West Saxons to flee. Two months later, on the 22nd of March, King Ethelred and Prince Alfred once again marched and they would meet the Vikings in an unknown location. This would culminate in the Battle of Merton. According to the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle, this is what transpired. King Ethelred and his brother Alfred fought against the army at Merton. There was a great slaughter on both sides and the Danes had possession of the battlefield. Bishop Heomund was killed, 
as were many important men, and after this battle, a great summer army came to Reading. Afterwards at Easter, King Ethelred died. This has led to speculation that King Ethelred was gravely wounded at the Battle of Merton. Even the warrior bishop Haymond was slain. This was a grave loss for the men of Wessex. They had lost their king and a holy warrior, among other notable leaders. The great heathen army was now responsible for the death of three Saxon kings. Wessex would soon crown a new king. Prince Alfred would ascend and weary of war, Alfred decided to make a truce with Halfdan, the commander of the great heathen army. He would pay him in silver in order to buy time. Halfdan and his army of Vikings would go north and would capture London and would winter there. Coins minted in London during this period bear the name Halfdan, identifying him as their leader and king. In the autumn of the year 872, the great heathen army would return to Northumbria to quell a revolt against the puppet king Egbert. Once the Vikings had restored their power and authority, they would make their way to the kingdom of Lindsay, a lesser kingdom that had been absorbed into Northumbria in the 7th century. The Mercians would once again pay the Vikings off for peace, but at the end of the year 873, the heathens took up their winter quarters at Reptum. By the year 874, the great army would put such pressure on Mercia that they would drive the Mercian king Buchred into exile after a 22-year reign. The Mercian king fled to Rome, where he remained until he died. Halfdan would then install Seolwulf as the puppet king of Mercia. He would swear oaths to Halfdan and gave him hostages. He also offered the service of his army. The Vikings now had three of the great Saxon kingdoms under their command, Mercia, Northumbria and East Anglia, and they had installed puppet kings in each kingdom of royal stock in order to keep the peace and so uprisings didn't occur. All that was left was the last kingdom, Wessex. The great heathen army was so close to taking the whole of England. Halfdan at this point had been at war for nearly a decade. He had endured countless battles and political negotiations, all for the sake of reputation. His brother Ivar had become the king of Dublin during this time and had forged a legacy and repute that would last for a millennia. However, just like Ragnar, all warrior kings meet their end. The Annals of Ulster record the death of Ivar in the year 873. The Annals also gave him the title, the King of the Norsemen of all Ireland and Britain. Ivar took his contingent of the Great Ethan Army and forged a kingdom encompassing Dublin, the Isle of Man, the Western Isles, Orkney and large parts of the northern and western Scottish coast. When Halfdan heard of the death of his brother Ivar, the great heathen army would split in two, one half under Guthrum, who would head south to fight against Wessex, and the other half was under Halfdan, who would head north to fight against the Picts of Strathclyde and the Vikings in Ireland, who had usurped his fallen brother's throne. By the year 875, 
Halfton arrived in Dublin, and according to the annals, he deceitfully killed Aistain Olafsson, the new King of Dublin. It seems Halfton was campaigning to regain his brother's lost kingdom, and since diplomacy was not working, he may have resorted to treachery, which is why he is described as deceitfully killing Aistain. Halfton would rule Dublin briefly until the year 876, where he decided to return to Northumbria. He would finally declare himself the King of Northumbria, ending the rule of puppet kings there. He would share the lands of Northumbria with his most loyal and best men. This land became known as the Danelaw. Halfton's rule in Dublin was not secure, and he was deposed while in Northumbria. He would return to Ireland in the year 877 to attempt to recapture the city, but he was met by another army of Vikings, which resulted in the Battle of Strangford Lough. Halfton was met by his nephew, Bardur Iverson, where here, Halfton, after over ten years at war, finally met his end against his own blood. To the south, Alfred was on edge and always expected raids or attacks from the Vikings. He would keep his Saxon warriors blocking Viking access to Wessex through the Thames River. However, Alfred underestimated Guthrum, who split his heathen army in half. In the dead of night, some of his mounted warriors slipped across the river and captured the port city of Wareham. Alfred would once again offer a peace. Guthrum accepted and both sides exchanged hostages. Guthrum, however, did not keep his word. He had all the hostages killed, and sent his army to capture the fortress of Exeter. Guthrum and his forces would go on to ravage much of Wessex, and with no forces defending the Thames River, Guthrum would now sail into the heart of Wessex at will. Alfred also didn't have a fleet, so he literally had to watch these events unfold, without being capable of doing anything. Guthrum with the advantage, would now launch a full-scale attack on Alfred's stronghold at Chippenham. The timing of his attack also shows Guthrum's cunning. He waited until Christmas, so the Saxons were celebrating, and were unaware of an assault. Guthrum's forces would storm into Chippenham, and kill all in their path. Alfred's own personal bodyguards were slain, with the king barely escaping with his life. Alfred's power in Wessex was no more, and Guthrum was now in control. In addition to Guthrum taking the last Saxon-controlled kingdom in England, his army was reinforced when Ubba Ragnarsson arrived with more fragmented forces of the Great Heathen Army. Alfred was now the king of nothing, he had been outclassed and outwitted. He went into exile to the marshes of Somerset, and the likelihood that he would regain the throne was but a fool's hope. Another contingent of the great heathen army was soon led by another son of Ragnar called Ubba. Having sailed from Wales, where he had overwintered, he landed on the coast of Devon. On landing, the Viking army discovered that the West Saxons had taken refuge in a stronghold called Kernwit. Ubba and his forces perceived that the fortress was unprepared for battle, and decided to besiege it. 
This would culminate in the Battle of Kernwit in the year 878. According to Brother Asser, this is what transpired. The brother of Ivar, Ubber, came with 23 ships to Devonshire in Wessex, and here he was slain, and with him 840 men of his army, and there was taken the war flag which they call the Raven. Odda, the elderman of Devon, had defeated the forces of Ubber Ragnarsson in battle. There were now no remaining sons of Ragnar alive in the British Isles. The whole reason for the great heathen army's conquest of England was vengeance for the death of Ragnar in the year 865, over a decade earlier. Their cause was completed long ago. The great heathen army was now fragmented, with all the commanding Ragnarsons dead, but they had left a legacy all over Britain. Ivar the Boneless had established his dynasty of the Uyamere, Halfdan, was the first Viking king of Northumbria, and Ubba became reputed as a savage warrior. With all the original commanders of the army dead or overseas, Guthrum would lead the remaining forces. Alfred had just lost everything, but he was a strong man with a will of steel. He would continue to inspire those who had not abandoned him, and give them hope that they could still win this war. From his exile in the marshes, he came up with a strategy to take back his lands. Alfred would wage a guerrilla type of warfare against the Vikings, and would wear them down in hit-and-run skirmishes. Alfred's resistance, and the fact that he was willing to die for his cause, motivated and inspired the Anglo-Saxons, who would hear whispers of his efforts. Luck was also on Alfred's side, as the legendary warrior Ubba Ragnarsson would die in battle, along with the bulk of his army. By Easter of the year 878, Alfred had left the marshes, and was rallying whatever Saxons remained loyal to him. He knew that he had to crush the great heathen army with one decisive battle. Many warriors answered Alfred's call to war, and once he believed he was ready, they marched towards Eddington. Eventually, Alfred's Saxon forces would meet Guthrum's Viking army in the year 878. Alfred's warriors fighting on foot confronted the Norsemen who had formed a dense shield wall. Guthrum and his forces were fighting for the annihilation of Wessex, while Alfred's forces fought for their own lands, their lives and the future of their wives and children. The battle was a shower of blood. In the words of the chronicler Asser, this is what transpired. Alfred overthrew the pagans with great slaughter, and smiting the fugitives, he pursued them as far as the fortress. After the battle was won, Guthrum and his Viking forces retreated to their fortress. Alfred would take away all of their resources, and after two weeks of starvation, Guthrum sued for peace. He gave Alfred his solemn oath that he would leave his kingdom immediately. Guthrum had to become baptised to endorse the agreement to allow him to rule legitimately over his Christian vassals. Guthrum would be baptised and adopted the baptismal name of Ethelstan, and Alfred became his godfather. 
Guthrum would then return to East Anglia, he would cease to become a threat and ruled there for a decade as a Christian king. The great heathen army's arrival in England marked the beginning of a brutal and violent period of English history, and their impact on England cannot be overstated. Their invasion and subsequent occupation of large parts of England had a significant cultural and political impact. The Vikings brought with them a distinct Norse culture and language, which would have a lasting impact on many English regions. And it all started with the death of a king, the legendary Ragnar Lothbrok. Ragnar's sons would make it their life mission to avenge him in foreign lands, which would unknowingly cement them to the history books. If the great heathen army had not continuously split into different contingents, they no doubt would have been able to take the last kingdom of Wessex. However, it is unknown if the sons of Ragnar truly wanted to take the whole land of England, or if they just saw an opportunity after the death of King Ella and the conquest of Northumbria. Northumbria fell, then East Anglia, and then Mercia. The great heathen army's mission after they avenged Ragnar was unclear. Several different warbands from many earls and kings would make up the great heathen army, so we can speculate that the commanders of the factions of the force had their own goals and own agendas, which is why they never took the whole of England while it was within reach. Ella of Northumbria was sacrificed, Edmund of East Anglia was executed, Ethelred of Wessex died from his wounds in battle, and Buchred of Mercia was driven out of his lands and exiled. Based on how most of the Anglo-Saxon kings met their ends, the great heathen army could have taken the whole land if they stayed together as one force. But Alfred, now known to history as Alfred the Great, through perseverance, an iron will, and extreme luck, managed to keep his kingdom of Wessex and forge a dynasty that would one day become the kings of all England. Alfred was close to death countless times, and England could have easily fallen to the great heathen army, and then would have been divided between the sons of Ragnar, had events played out differently. But although the Ragnarsons were dead, England was changed forever. The Dane law had been established, and Nordic culture would thrive in the north. The Norsemen in distant icy lands would hear great tales of the sons of Ragnar, and due to this, the English shores would be ravaged by the Vikings for centuries, creating a time of everlasting war, strife, and ambition. I hope you all enjoyed the video. If you did, make sure to like, subscribe, and share, and I'll see you all soon for another History Profile.